0: Welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. On September 30th, the federal government set aside the day for Canadians to reflect on the travesty of residential schools. It is a statutory holiday officially called the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. The government approved it in August. You may recognize the date. September 30th was Orange Shirt Day. It was created to recognize the harm the residential school system did to children's sense of self-esteem and well-being, and as an affirmation of people's commitment to ensure that everyone around us matters. For many, the two days are commemorated together this year. Alderville Chief Dave Mowat will offer his views on the day and talk about how the Alderville community will be acknowledging the horrific legacy of residential schools. Here is my interview with Dave Mowat. I'm so pleased to have with me today Dave Mowat, Chief of the Alderville First Nation. Welcome to Consider This. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Rob. What is the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation?
1: Uh, Well, it's a federally legislated day to uh, allow Canadians uh, the opportunity to reflect on uh, uh, the history around the residential school system and the school process um, and uh, in light of the uh, uh, information that came out of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report um, it's, a, it's a time uh, in which we hope or the federal government hope that uh, Canadians would uh, take the opportunity to learn and understand um, that part of
0: Canadian history now it's my understanding that you this used to be known as orange shirt Day is that still being commemorated um, in my view uh,
1: it uh, it is and will be continue to be um, it's uh, you know it's all sort of sort of part and parcel right I mean the orange shirt day comes out of um, the St. Joseph's mission in BC, it comes out of, uh, one woman's, um, experience at the residential school. And so it is all tied together. So, um, uh, I don't see, uh, I see them both, uh, being equally important, but I do understand on the other hand, why, um, they're all rolled into, to one
0: day. Does Alderville have any plans for the day?
1: Um, We have an event that is being uh, hosted by our, internally hosted by our uh, um, cultural um, department. Uh, And uh, that'll open up at 9.30 in the morning. I'll be uh, opening it up and calling for a a moment of silence. Um, But then I'm off to Brighton that day to participate in an event there. And then from there, I'll be headed over to the Baltimore uh, community center to um, impart uh, some information, historical and otherwise, to the staff of Hamilton Township, and then um, I'll be coming back here um, for 7:30, a wrap-up of that event here in Alderville uh, on the same day. So it's going to be a busy day, but I'm uh, I'm encouraged to see how some of the municipalities, the outlying municipalities, are um,
0: taking hold of this and. Um, promoting their own events. I wanted to ask you about that because I know that Port Hope is commemorating the day by closing non-essential services for a day of reflection. I'm also aware that Coburg is creating a Seven Feathers walkway to commemorate the day, and I know that the county is also acknowledging the day. With all the things that are going on and the ones that you've mentioned, do you think there is enough being done by local municipalities to recognize this day? Um,
1: Yes, I would say that it's encouraging, and I uh, respect what they're attempting to do. I had a talk with the mayor of Coburg last week about this issue, and he was explaining um, uh, that project that they're, they're, they're doing. And, um, and so, um, given their close proximity to, uh, to Alderville, um, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. I'm a lot more encouraged by that than the messaging we got from the provincial government, I'll tell you that much.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you about how did you react when you learned earlier this month that the Ontario government would not make the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation a provincial holiday? Um,
1: Well, it didn't really surprise me. Um, There was no surprise there. Um, uh, It's disappointing. Um, The Minister of Indigenous Affairs, Greg Rickford, um, I was disappointed
0: um, in his messaging or... The messaging that come out through uh, his his
1: offices, um, uh, but on the other hand, it really doesn't surprise me. Um, in fact, uh, when the Ford was elected, they got rid of the word of reconciliation from their ministry. Uh, it used to be the uh, well, it's went through a few iterations: Ministry of Aboriginal Affairs, and then
0: Ministry of Indigenous uh, Affairs and Reconciliation, and then and, uh, and now it's simply the Ministry of Indigenous Affairs. Um, so uh, uh, i got to say, honestly, it doesn't really surprise me given the record uh, that this government
1: has where certain things like the duty to consult and how it is um, um, sort of uh, ignoring the duty to consult
0: First Nations on developments within our treaty areas, um, I mean, all
1: I can say is it's a, disappoint- a
0: disappointment. Now, how would you characterize the progress being made on the Truth and Reconciliation report?
1: Um, I know that on the educational front, um, uh, education institutions are are taking hold of
0: this as best as they can. Um, And I'm in a lot of communication
1: with uh, various institutions. Um, uh, Queen's University, for instance, I sit on a couple of committees, uh, one with... uh, um with the university itself and then with the city itself and they are really taking hold um, of the reconciliation issues at the university level in fact they've instilled an, an office there, um, the office of indigenous initiatives um and uh trent university i've got i i've got to go up there and i i'm actually uh i've been a presenter at trent university for for a few years now and um and so i'll be back there actually early next month um so i would say um i would say that i'm, I'm encouraged um by the regional local municipalities by what they're attempting to do it's sort of there's not, it, there's no uniformity to it i'll, I'll tell you that mm-hmm. there's no uniformity to it uh however um um you know, it's, uh, it's encouraging to see um, what they're attempting to do. Uh, that's about all I can say at this point.
0: Were you involved at all with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission when it was holding its consultations? No, no, um, I,
1: uh, I was not. And, um that, uh, that uh, took place um, when I was actually still working at Skug Island First Nation. Um, but I will say, I'm... One of the fortunate individuals to have been a former student of uh, former Justice and Senator Murray Sinclair. Uh, That's as
0: close as I I come to it. But no, I never had any direct involvement with the the TRC. Now, did anyone from Alderville, the community at large, did, did you have participants from the community that were involved?
1: From our community, Alderville First Nation? Not that I am aware of.
0: Now, there were 94 recommendations in the final report, and since then, the federal government has enacted about 13 of those, and they've taken some steps on about 60 of them, and then there's been nothing done about 21 of them. How do you feel about the rate that the federal government has moved on those 94 recommendations? Um, Well, uh, I'm sure they're learning
1: how difficult it is to implement some of these recommendations, um i i have a bit of a one thing i one thing i'm a little uh, confused about i guess is that uh like we never got any thorough consultation about about september 30th and it being legislated as a federal uh i hate to call it a holiday um that's the biggest mistake i think that it uh it's just going to be another statutory holiday uh, at the federal level and and you know so what will the impact of that be uh, i don't know um what will really come out of that um the fact that people have the day off what does that mean do they go to their cottage and you know like what does that really mean at the ground level i i don't know what it's going to mean um i don't know how else the government would have thought they could have done it but um to call it a statutory holiday, I think is the first wrong step uh, because it's not a holiday. It's not something that you would celebrate as a holiday. So I, I I guess I'm a little confused at that.
0: What would you Um, have preferred?
1: I really don't know. I I, I don't know how one would um, attempt to raise this issue federally and across the country. I really don't know. I haven't really given that a whole lot of thought. Um, I, I, I just don't know how one could do it other than the way it was done. But the way it was done, um, I think, was, um, I don't know if it was well enough, thought out well enough. Um, you know, what's the implications of that? Is that going to raise the level and um, uh, raise the level of reconciliation? Uh, I don't know. I kind of have my doubts. Um, I was sitting in a cafe last week and this, fellow that i sort of recognized uh, he recognized me from uh, an interview that i would i did and and then he threw he asked me about september 30th and he, the way he looked at it was just an, an election ploy i said well i don't know about that i kind of don't agree with that that uh that bruto would think it would garner him uh, um, enough votes to win an election uh, or win a majority um, i kind of don't think that was a, Um, I don't think that's credible, that kind of thinking, but, um, um, I don't know. I just think that, um, it wasn't well thought out enough. I I don't know why it has to be a holiday. I don't get that.
0: I don't get it. If you could set the priorities for implementing the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's recommendations, what would be the top three things that you'd like to see the government move on right away? I would like to see the provincial governments
1: take hold of this issue and, and uh, credibly start to implement it into the curriculum and um, and start um, to invest in um, the ability of teachers to, to teach this um, from an informed and educated level. Um, that's what I would like to see, is that the history of this issue in the history around residential schools and and um and you know how the rule of law was used uh etc i'd like to see that implemented and become a serious part of the of the curriculum uh at provincial levels um and then understanding of the treaties um again it's another issue that i keep hammering at all the time i'm you know uh i give a lot of presentations um over the year throughout a year i give a number of presentations on the treaties on the history of the treaties and what they mean their root um and um and i guess uh, and fi- and just on the issue of reconciliation um exploring how that can yeah there's 94 recommendations um but exploring how that can really become a part of people's thinking i'm not gonna say that there's a lot of people that have called me and written me emails and written letters even um, since May 28th, May 29th, May 28th, when the Kamloops story broke. Uh, there's been a lot of people that have called, they've written emails, uh, letters, and they've conveyed their, uh, their, um, their horror and they've conveyed their sadness and uh, their disappointment um, around this issue. And so it's not like it hasn't moved a lot of people. It sure, it certainly sure has. And and um, I'm in a, I'm in the best position to, uh, to garner that from the general public. And then of course what we did here um, on May 31st and July 1st, that garnered a lot of attention and support from the outlying uh, from the outlying municipalities and, and communities. We had a lot of support, and I'm, I'm re- grateful for that. Um, But the learning has to continue. There has to be some way to consistently keep this message and this information in front of the general public. Um, Again, it's 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 it resonated strongly across the country after May 28th, when the first story broke, and um, and then it was uh, on the minds of a lot of Canadians for uh, you know up until Canada Day, and then what I've noticed is that it's sort of dissipating now. And so, how do we continue to harness that um, that information and, and and harness that that um, uh, sad story, so that it uh, can be continually, continuously conveyed and uh, and, and understood by, by the general by the general public? Uh, that's a hard task, but um, it's not. Uh, you know, it was hundred years in the making, if not more. And so uh, it can't just be a story hot off the press for a month and a half or two months and then dissipate. We have to continue at the First Nation level and at the, at the government level to continue to keep this story um, in the minds of, of the general public.
0: You mentioned the number of presentations that you're going to be doing uh, on September 30th and also the number of presentations that you do throughout a year on this subject, but I recall a year ago you and I spoke and you were just about to appear uh, before the Northumberland County Council and you were going to talk to them about residential schools and treaties and you were going to recount some of the history of Indigenous people in Canada. If you were to return again this year, what is something new that you would like to add to your presentation, something that you did not get to say then that you think you should say now that would you you would include this time? Um, um, on the treaty side of the equation um,
1: and on the section 35 constitutional rights issue um, we have a right to be consulted by government or agencies of the government when there are any developments that could uh, impact our treaty lands and so in the last short relatively short while We've seen this provincial government uh, in, uh, administer, or how should I say, um, um, endorse, I guess, uh, over forty ministers zoning orders. And um, under the previous government, the ministers zoning orders were used at a relatively uh, very low, a very low number, wherever used or or, uh, uh, employed, and, you know, you could probably count them on one hand. But we're seeing over 40 now minister zoning orders to advance development and advance construction of projects that, in effect, what it does is it sidesteps the public oversight process, and it also uh, oversteps uh, or sidesteps um, the duty to consult. And so the government somehow in its plans to uh, kickstart, re-kickstart the the economic uh, economic development in the uh, province has seen it necessary to um, put forth
0: these ministers' zoning orders. And sometimes they're being uh,
1: put forth so that the development can occur or so that the development will occur, or how should I say, the effect of these is that the development will occur in uh, environmentally sensitive areas. And so um, th- that is something that has become a lot more rapid, say, since last year when I was making presentations. And uh, and the Williams Treaties First Nations have had to try to take the provincial government to task on some of these minister zoning orders, which occur within our treaty areas. And so that's something that I would like to, uh, I would raise uh, and will continue to raise in my upcoming um, presentations, because at the end of the day, uh, Ontario and Canada agreed and signed off and were at the table for the Williams Treaty Settlement Agreement, uh, which uh, reaffirmed our our Section 35 um, rights. And and then the Minister's zoning orders really that blows back against those Section 35 rights. So that's something I will be highlighting in my presentations moving
0: forward. Do you think that the uh, First Nations people should be involved at the municipal level in terms of development and approvals? You say in the same way that the regional conservation authorities Oftentimes, if uh, a, a development is going into a sensitive land, they have to go through the conservation authority to get final permissions for an assessment. Do you believe that the same thing should be done with uh, lands related to the indigenous peoples?
1: So, the, the, the municipalities being an animal of the province, um, and um, and the conservation authorities as well being sort of animals of the municipalities. Um, it's almost like they're shielded from having to consult with the First Nations, but it's the municipalities that are, in some cases, they're like. You no, know, I, I always point to the uh, when I was working at Scugog Island First Nation. I always point to how far north uh, the Oshawa boundary, municipal boundary, was, and it's like over halfway to Port Perry, and um, and so when you start getting out into those uh, into those. Uh, Rural lands that are held by a municipality, then the chances of impinging on environmentally sensitive areas is a lot greater than in the dense urban area, um, and so this really concerns me. And it concerns me because municipalities really they don't have to speak with us or consult with us; uh, they're not bound to do that and so that's problematic Um, so even though we are establishing good relations or better relations um, on a reconciliation uh, level um, there's still those issues of of the Planning Act and there's the issue around MZO's and there's also the issue on uh, on development in general that uh, that is you know there's there's silence there if you will so that really doesn't help the reconciliation piece if municipalities are um, positioned to impact sensitive environmental-sensitive lands. That's not going to help the reconciliation piece. So if you know what I mean, it would, would benefit all of us to know what planning is occurring at the municipal level <clears throat> and not to, uh, not to hold a veto over that. Nothing like that, but to be consulted and to have input would be a very, uh, that would be a very beneficial and positive step forward.
0: Now there may be parents or grandparents listening today. How would you suggest they talk to young children about residential schools?
1: Well, I would hope that they would um, support open mindedness. Um, I would hope that they would support um, their children or grandchildren um, jumping in with both feet and, and uh, wanting to learn, and, and you know, that, that there would be a, a willingness to learn. Um, uh, I think that it's going to be, <clears throat> in a number of cases, it's going to be the students that are end up teaching their parents and their grandparents about this part of Canadian history. That's the way it's going to be. And uh, I look forward to that day when uh, when children can start to teach their parents and their grandparents about what they didn't learn in school. Because we know for a fact that, uh, you know, <clears throat> parents, uh, middle-aged parents, for instance, and, uh, and grandparents, uh, the chances that they knew or learned anything about this is probably nil. And so the fact that young children are being... Um, are being taught about it now and and are involved in certain events to uh, increase their learning about it, that it might be the other way around. Those children start to teach their parents and their grandparents. And uh, that would be a welcome
0: day if if ever that comes. Now, there may be people who are listening that may feel that feeling sad is not enough. I mean, you spoke about this earlier about... Uh, the level of participation locally in some events that you held back in May and in July, but they may want to take more direct action towards a path to reconciliation. What would you suggest they do? Well, um,
1: when I make presentations, I, I don't, I don't get sad. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not sad about it. I, uh, I've mentioned before that I get criticized uh, because I'm like. Kind of ice cold about it <clears throat> but if i if if i'm going to understand the uh the historical record i kind of have to be ice cold about it and look at it with an ice cold eye and uh as objective as possible um but i think that um there's some really good um literature out there and you know the the truth and reconciliation commission reports and and the uh, and a lot of other reports, like the Ipperwash report, the uh, Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the Manitoba Injustice Inquiry report, these are all online, and uh, they're easily accessible by the general public. And I always point to these uh, reports for people to delve into. There's a lot of reading, and there's a lot of literature within these reports, but. It's as easy as finding it on the internet and, and and moving through it on your own laptop, and so that uh, is something that we have no control over. Uh, but I would sure, certainly encourage um, anybody and everyone, and you know, that I could ever convince to uh, to attempt to try to learn through that way and. To go online and, and download these reports and, and start to understand them at that level
0: dave is it really ju- is, but dave is it really just at- always about education is is there not something that you could uh, advise people to actually do an action they can take something that they can feel that it's it's not just about learning and i appreciate how much it is important that people learn about these things and i i don't think you're wrong But what about doing something? If somebody was sitting there listening today and say, what could I do today or tomorrow? Something I could do that's concrete that will let the Indigenous people know and and our political leaders know just how committed I am to seeing reconciliation come about. Come and visit me.
1: Phone a chief. Phone up a First Nation. Go visit. I don't know what else to... You know, that would be huge. That's a huge step forward for a lot of people. Is to, I've had that actually happen here. People drive to the reserve and want to to learn right on the reserve, right at the, right on our, our home base here. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a traditional wild rice harvester as well. And um, over the years, uh, we've taken people out to harvest with us, people that are non-Indigenous, and um, that is a... Uh, uh, real um, profound experience for people who have never seen, say, a harvesting technique from that level. Um, they go away with uh, with a view that they never had before when they see that happen and when they see it occur. And the processing that is involved in in uh, in the wild rice, uh, I've had people come out to Alderville to participate in that process. Now that's a really um, powerful experience for these for people that, that want to, to participate in that. Um, the Black Oak Savannah, coming to the First Nation is one way, and I know we've been under the pandemic and all that stuff, but uh, coming to the First Nation, uh, walking across our land, say at the Black Oak Savannah, Todd, Grass Prairie, I'm, I'm always uh, putting out invites for people to do that as well. Um, and so that gets people to grassroots level. I mean, that's one strong, good way to, to help people understand, um, you know, uh, because it is true. If you're going to be trying to educate, your, educate yourself on, say, the residential school system, then you're not going to be, you're going to be seeing it through the eyes of, you know, through your own eyes and trying to, to read uh, what can be um, <clears throat> tragic information. But there's so many more facets to the Indigenous community and, uh, and in Alderville, for instance, I can only speak for Alderville, we have our beautiful tall grass prairie and, and black oak savanna. And that's a really important way. And I've been involved in that for 20 years. And that's a really important way for people to, to understand about the, about the community as well.
0: Chief Dave Mowat, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Robert. That was my interview with Dave Mowat, Chief of the Alderville First Nation. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com, or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast, or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.